1: This is the California Report. Good morning, I'm Lily Jamali. California is appealing a federal judge's ruling that threw out the state's 30-year-old assault weapons ban. Governor Gavin Newsom and Attorney General Rob Bonta were joined by Dr. Andre Campbell, a trauma surgeon at San Francisco General Hospital, in announcing the appeal yesterday.
0: Let me just say this, and I'm going to say this a couple of times. An AR-15 is a weapon of mass destruction. It is used in battlefield to kill the enemy. It's a gun that is used in warfare and it should not be available or used in the streets of the United States. To equate an assault weapon to pocket knife is totally wrong.
1: That was a reference to the judge's wording in the decision last Friday when he declared that the law violates the Second Amendment. The state is also asking a federal court to extend a stay on the ruling while it goes through the appeals process. Well, conversations around the role of police in society are continuing, and this week a group gathered in San Diego to call for the elimination of police departments at universities.
2: Christina Kim from our sister station KPBS was there. UC San Diego students and faculty together with local social justice organizations say it's time to end police presence on college campuses. Essence Leanne, a third-year UC San Diego student and an organizer with the group UCSD Cops Off Campus, was pulled over by campus police on May 25th. Leanne says she was racially profiled and still remembers what ran through her head in that moment.
3: I had an interpersonal dialogue with myself. Don't die, Essence. It, It was really that simple. And that's what you have to. You have to police yourself.
2: In an emailed statement, a UC San Diego spokesperson said the UC system has been working with stakeholders, including students, to create the presidential campus safety plan, which will, quote, transform UC's culture, policies, and practices to achieve a vision of safety in which all members of the community feel further welcomed, respected, and protected. The current UC San Diego Police Department budget is $13.9 million dollars. Students and faculty working to get police off campus say campus safety can still be achieved if the department is eliminated and those funds are redistributed. For the California Report, I'm Christina Kim in San Diego. The union
1: representing teachers in the LA Unified School District has reached a tentative deal for a return to traditional in-person instruction this fall. The proposed deal between United Teachers Los Angeles and the district calls for continued COVID-19 testing at least every two weeks. Students and teachers would also be required to wear masks, regardless of whether they're vaccinated. There would be some exceptions for students with disabilities. The deal must be voted on by the union's full membership and the L.A. Unified Board of Education. The recall election against Governor Gavin Newsom will cost California counties $215 million. That's according to an analysis from the State Department of Finance out yesterday. KQED's Guy Marzorati has more. A recall election will require counties to spend millions sending every voter a ballot and setting up in-person voting. The Democratic leaders of the state Senate and Assembly say they'll cover those costs in the upcoming state budget. And with a price tag in hand, the legislature won't need the 30 days that state law gives them to study the cost of the election. That could result in a recall vote later this summer rather than in the fall as previously expected. For the California Report, I'm Guy Marzorati. A former Orange County police chief is among the handful of Californians who have been indicted for their roles in the January 6th insurrection at the Capitol building in Washington. The grand jury indictment for Alan Hostetter, former chief of the La Habra Police Department, was unveiled yesterday. It alleges that he and five other Californians conspired on social media prior to the insurrection and also breached off-limit areas of the Capitol. Hostetter's attorney denies those charges. Hostetter has organized Stop the Steel rallies in Southern California in support of former President Trump and is accused of conspiring with members of the Three Percenters Militia, an anti-government militia known for attracting military and law enforcement members. Four men from the Sacramento area were also indicted this week for their alleged roles in the riots. Three immigrant families in the Bay Area are suing the federal government after border officials forcibly separated them in 2018.
2: KQED's Michelle Wiley reports. According to the lawsuit, these Central American families were seeking asylum at the U.S.-Mexico border when the children were taken from their parents as part of the Trump administration's zero-tolerance policy. Now reunified in the Bay Area, they say they're still suffering trauma from the weeks or months of separation and other abuses in immigration custody. Bree Bernwanger is the senior immigration attorney with the Lawyers' Committee for Civil Rights of the San Francisco Bay Area. It's not only to make sure that families aren't separated, but also to make sure that we have an immigration system that doesn't hurt people. She says the lawsuit seeks punitive damages to hold federal officials accountable and ensure this never happens again. For The California Report, I'm Michelle Wiley.
1: California has over a billion dollars in aid to give out to struggling renters and landlords. But so far, a little less than 3% of that money has actually gone out. And far fewer people have applied to the state program than expected. As KQED's Aaron Baldessari explains, the state has made some changes to get more money out more quickly.
3: Jackie Lowry lives with her extended family in Antioch. Her husband, son, and daughter-in-law all lost their jobs on the same day last March, right after the pandemic hit. Now they owe about $11,000 in unpaid rent.
0: It's just really scary uh, right now.
3: Lowry's family filed for rent relief as soon as they could.
0: We have heard absolutely nothing back yet. Nothing back. And that was in March.
3: Officials at the Housing and Community Development Department say just over 4,000 people have received assistance out of around 190,000 who've applied. Jessica Hayes with the department says the state has moved slowly to make sure no one got paid twice and to serve the people with the lowest incomes first. We've been able to increase the number of households that we're processing through the application each week, and we expect that to continue as we continue to ramp up and add more staff. But Hayes also said the state has only received applications for about $543 million in rent relief. That's about a third of the money that's currently available.
1: Um, the more applications we can get in, the more folks we can assist.
3: Applicants have had a hard time slogging through a clunky and complicated process. That process will now be streamlined and require fewer documents. The application is also now available in six languages. Advocates are pushing the legislature to extend the state's eviction moratorium beyond June 30th so more people can get aid. For the California Report, I'm Erin Baldessari. Well, on Tuesday, California reopens
1: for business as usual, and part of that is ditching the state's mask mandate. The state will align the CDC's most recent mask guidelines, which mean fully-vaxxed folks can remove masks pretty much everywhere, with some exceptions. But not everyone might be rushing to scrap theirs. Here to tell us more is Carly Severn. She is KQED's senior engagement editor. And Carly, starting Tuesday, where can fully-vaxxed people ditch their masks?
4: So pretty much everywhere, this is actually California aligning with the CDC's guidance that was actually released back in May. The state waited a month to adopt it. So from Tuesday onwards, the only places that vaccinated Californians are going to be required to wear masks are on or around public transit, so that's, you know, BARTs in the Bay Area, ferries, airplanes, airports, uh, and also indoors in K-12 schools and childcare settings, in healthcare settings, homeless shelters, emergency shelters, and cooling centres. There's also quite a few rules being worked out about workplaces, which might well require employees to still mask up. And of course, some businesses like stores can keep mask rules for customers. Everywhere else, if you're vaccinated, you don't need a mask.
1: Wow. It's really just wild to even imagine that. So everyone who is vaccinated will be rushing to ditch their masks on Tuesday. Am
4: I right? Well, not necessarily. The state adopted the previous CDC guidance on people not needing masks outside in most situations, regardless of their vaccination status. But in many places around the state, you still see many folks wearing masks on the street, right? We actually asked KQED's social media audiences whether they were going to keep wearing their mask after Tuesday, even though they're vaccinated, and a lot of people said yes. And the reasons they gave were actually really interesting. Some were about uh, medical health concerns, and others were kind of more social considerations.
1: Yeah, I will say that now that people are traveling more, uh, we have had family come in from other parts of the country, and they're really surprised at how many people are still wearing masks here in the Bay Area. What were some of the medical concerns that went into some of this decision making?
4: So... A big reason that our social media audiences were telling us was this concern that kids under 12 can't actually get the vaccine yet. And, you know, it's really natural that parents and caregivers would be wondering about this one. I actually checked in with Dr. Peter Chin Hong, who's a professor of medicine and infectious disease at UCSF, and he said that while, yep, this is really understandable, and yes, there have been instances of kids being affected, the general risk level for kids is lower than it is for adults. But if adults in the family want to keep masking to like a model mask wearing for their kids, that is not a bad thing at all. And other folks told KQED that, you know, they had immunocompromised people in their life, or they still wanted to mask because of concern for those who hadn't been able to access vaccines yet. Again, all quite natural things to come into people's minds.
1: Absolutely. I'm, I'm so glad you took the time to reach out to our audience to get some of this really incredible and insightful feedback. Carly Severn, Senior Engagement Editor at KQED, thank you. Thank you, Lily. And now to a preview of our sister show, The California Report magazine. The state is still reeling from the tragic mass shooting in San Jose, one of the worst in California's history. Every time there's a tragedy like this, it sparks painful conversations and renewed calls for gun control to stop mass shootings. But for some people, other events over the past year have cast guns in a new light as a necessary form of protection.
3: It got bad during COVID. People messing with my car
1: and telling me to go back where I came from in front of my kid and raising their voices and saying people like you shouldn't be in public.
3: And then you start seeing the elders being targeted.
1: Before the pandemic, Sam Tyag wasn't drawn to guns. I just had a very different perspective of firearms. It wasn't so politicized
3: in the Philippines, I guess. You grow up seeing guards with arms and your uncles have firearms and all that stuff. Very different. And I just never really got into it because it seemed intimidating.
1: But when anti-Asian rhetoric turned into anti-Asian violence during the pandemic. I finally decided, you know, it's time to just bite the bullet. <laughs> to hear more about Sam and other Asian American women in California who've developed a new sense of urgency about self-defense, tune into this week's California Report magazine. And that is the California Report for this Friday, June 11th. We're a production of KQED Public Radio. Our engineers are Katie McMurrin and Danny Bringer, with assistance from Seal Muller. Our producers are Mary Franklin Harvin and Keith Mizuguchi. Our senior editor is Angela Corral. Our director of news is Vinnie Tong. Our executive editor is Ethan tovin Lindsay, And our chief content officer is Holly Kernan. I'm Lily Jamali. Thank you for listening and have a great weekend.
0: Support for the California Report comes from Hint, fruit-infused water in over 25 flavors like watermelon, pineapple, and blackberry. No sweeteners, no calories, in stores or delivered from drinkhint.com. Stanford Medicine, protecting your health and providing dependable care with safe in-person appointments and video visits, stanfordhealthcare.org slash adaptingcare, and Eric and Wendy Schmidt, through the Schmidt Family Foundation, working together to create a just world where all people have access to renewable energy, clean air and water, and healthy food, on the web at theschmidt.org. Did you ever wonder what it's like to live alone, hidden in the woods, not speaking to a single soul, for 30 years? Or wander the desert, uncover a hidden well, and die to the bottom of the deepest waterhole for 2,000 miles? The Snap Judgment podcast takes you there with amazing stories told by the people who live them with an original soundscape that drops you directly into their shoes. Snap Judgment. Listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.
1: Do you love learning about the San Francisco Bay Area? It's history, it's people, it's unique blend of cultures. Then you should check out the Bay Curious book.